As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, welcome to the show. So happy you're here. Great conversation today with Chris Voss and with his son, Brandon. We talk about their brand new book, or Chris's brand new book, Never Split the Difference, Negotiating as Your Life Depended Upon It. I came across this book um, about four or five months ago. I was having a conversation with a couple of entrepreneur friends, and I was talking about the struggles I was having with certain aspects of the business, uh, closing deals, the frustrations I was having. He says, man, you've got to get this book, Never Split the Difference, by this guy, Chris Fawcett. I downloaded the audio book. I, I got the actual book itself, read it, and this book is just phenomenal. I was so taken by it. And by fate or happenstance, I don't know, four weeks later, uh, another mutual friend of mine uh, has a training company said that one of his clients, Chris Voss, was coming in to uh, record uh, some training videos for his brand. And would I be interested in interviewing him? And I said, are you kidding me? Absolutely it would. And so this conversation you're about to hear was actually videotaped. I'll have a link to the actual videotaped conversation as well, but it's it's here for you. Uh, in audio form as well, where I sat down with Chris and his son, Brandon. Um, Brandon uh, is the operations guy for uh, Chris and his company, the Black Swan Group. And Chris was a formal international hostage negotiator for the FBI. And basically, you know, he talks about his experiences as being a police in the rough streets of Kansas City. He joined the FBI, became this career hostage negotiator. And he talks about it all in the book, and it brought him face-to-face -face with all types of criminals, bank robbers, terrorists. And at the pinnacle of his profession, he became the FBI's lead international kidnapping negotiator. And his book, Never Splits the Difference, talks about all of this. But he talks about all these, uh, in this book, the, the skill set of negotiating here, revealing a side of negotiation that I never looked at. And okay, yeah, he was about saving lives and, and these high-stress environments. But again, he comes up with nine effective principles that are counterintuitive to what we look at at life, leadership, and in negotiation. And I'm telling you, you get this book, and, and I'm just so amazed at what Chris has even, what I've learned in the last four months reading this book and applying these tech, techniques. Um, anyway, all of us can become more per persuasive in both our personal and professional life. 
you know, whether it's buying a car, negotiating a salary, buying a home, deliberating with a partner, talking about emotional intelligence, all the stuff as leaders we need to be good at. So I can't recommend this book. Uh, it, the highest recommendation, never split the difference, negotiating as your life dependent upon it. Chris Voss and his son, Brandon. I really think you're going to enjoy this conversation. Again, my show is brought to you by my course, Legacy Leader Blueprint. Go check it out at doseofleadership.com. Click on the Legacy Leader Blueprint link in the menu item. It's 20 videos broken into four modules. In between each module, you meet with me. and I, It's perfect to take a team of five to ten of your high performers and we can learn the basics, the fundamentals of leadership, leading ourselves, leading others, planting the seeds of a decentralized leadership culture, which I think is key and tantamount to dealing with all the dysfunctions that we deal with in business and in life. Go check it out uh, at doseofleadership.com, and you can see a video of the dashboard of what's involved, detailed description of what's involved in each module, and a contact form where you can reach out to me. And we can talk about if you're interested in signing up your team of five to ten high performers to go through this course. All right, here's a great conversation with Chris Foss and his son Brandon talking about their book, Never Split the Difference, here on Dose of Leadership. Well, Chris, it's an honor to be here with you and your son from the Black Swan Group. It's a, really a privilege to be on here. Let me tell you how I came across this book. About two months ago to the day, I was sitting down with a couple friends of mine, entrepreneurs, and I, was, I had just lost a big deal. And uh, I was complaining to him about it, and I was like, man, you know, lamenting and crying over my spilled milk. And this guy said, you've got to get this book, Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. I bought it, read it, and I realized I was listening to um, fake yeses, and, and I was counting the deal long before uh, I had a real yes. I was listening to those fake yeses, and he was really trying to get me off of his back. So this ah, book over the last ah. two months has been a lifesaver. Awesome. And so I'm just scratching the surface, but this is an honor to sit down with both of you and talk about this book and your life. So tell me a little bit about the Black Swan Group, how you guys got started, and, well, what, and what brought you to this book. We, we were originally an Irish folk band, and it was a Black Sean Group, <laughs> <laughs> and we couldn't even make any money doing that. <laughs> no, nah, you know, and, and, and um, all right, so my name's on the book. The book wouldn't happen without him. Uh, without question, when we got into the book process, working with Tall Roz, who's a genius, uh, read anything about business that Tall Roz has written. He is a superstar, and that's why we brought him in to work on a book. When we're working on the book, and, the first, and Brandon was there, Tall comes down and basically tries to download our brains onto his computer and on and his tapes. He's interviewing us for, what do we interview, for three days straight, right? Yeah, three days, yeah. And, and I knew I needed Brandon there because I wasn't going to get it all out without him. Uh, first conversation with a publisher afterwards, uh, phone conference call, we're all in different places on a globe and uh, we all check in and the uh, publisher goes, you know, not to be rude, but what's Brandon Voss doing on the phone? And I just shut up and I waited for Tall to speak to see what he said because I, I didn't know what Tall thought of it either. And, and Tall says, having, having Brandon around is like having a second Chris in a row. And that's the way it's always been. Uh, uh, he's, he's been there to, to do the process ever since we brought out a hostage negotiation. So, yeah, the book is a combination of, of both of our efforts together for a long time. It's kind of hard to tell where, you know, I mean, usually I have the ideas first, and then he thinks of them later. But he you know, sometimes he writes stuff down and said, you know, I told this to you a week ago. Here's a date and time. Yeah, <laughs> right. 
But yeah, it's. Uh, uh, I don't know what your question was, but <laughs> well, I just say how the, the genesis of the book, and we'll get into some of the details and some of the tactics of the book. Again, I, this is fresh for me because I'm two months into it. I revisit it again. I'm listening to the audio book, and I'm telling you, to me, I don't know if anybody had told you this before, but it seems like a leadership book. Obviously, I'm in the leadership space. The show is about leadership. Have you considered that this is a leadership book? Well, we have. I mean, we've gotten that kind of feedback from other people too, haven't we? Yeah, very much so. I mean, well, you know, as a leader, you got to communicate with people. That's right. a big part of your job, and and that's that's all about communication. I mean, we call it negotiation, but it's just good communication at the end of the day. Right. I can see obviously how this book is going to help me with getting new clients and helping sales, helping my entrepreneurial venture and my business. But as I started looking at it, the, the type of leadership that we're talking about, it's about influence, right? right. Leadership is influence, nothing more, mm-hmm. nothing mm-hmm. less. Collaboration. Collaboration. And when you think about influence, it's about the listening. It's about, hey, it's not about me. It's about you, right? It's all about the other person. Everything that's tailored in this book. So I can see how this book can help It's not leaders. about you. It was about me. That's right. <laughs> that's right. But how, <laughs> how, you can be, how you can be more influential in your everyday life, not just yeah. in business and getting clients, mm-hmm. but I even think on your own personal journey what are your thoughts on that yeah a thousand percent i mean that was that was that's been uh, our thoughts from the very beginning apply this to all aspects of your life right yeah very much so very much so we actually we even say uh to our new clients you know the best person to practice on is your spouse right <laughs> right you don't even need to, need to necessarily take it into the office first day practice on your spouse first see what happens yeah for sure when you think about when i look at your history as a negotiator working with the fbi a former cop i mean you you've been around some um, high, uh, pretty ballsy stuff, if I can be direct, right? I mean, stuff that I can imagine. You talk about it in this book, how you've kind of morphed when you first started out, and we think about negotiation. It's about, I'm going to come in there with my wiffle ball bat, beat you over the head, and get the <laughs> results, right? That doesn't do you any good. And it doesn't do you any good. Talk about how you kind of morphed into that kind of, hey, it's all about giving you the semblance of control, of listening, not running my mouth. I mean, tell me about that journey, how that, that happened. Yeah, you know, and, and a lot of the phrases that I've heard and we've adapted over the years, like the secret to gaining the upper hand of the negotiations is giving the other side the illusion of control. Mm-hmm. That's a business negotiation phrase, but it's absolutely what hostage negotiation is all about. I mean, if you kind of start trying, if you start from a premise from the beginning that uh, you're not going to lie to the other side. Hostage negotiators are not liars. The good ones aren't. It's a really bad idea to lie. Um, but you need to get everything you want, uh, essentially give the other side almost nothing, and you got to have a great relationship with them. They have to happily comply because, mm-hmm. you, you know, what are you going to do? You, you can't sue a hostage negotiator, a hostage taker after the fact for non-performance. Right. So you got to get a deal that they want to comply with. Just because they said they're going to come out, doesn't mean they're gonna come out. It doesn't mean they're gonna come out alive. You know, so you gotta you gotta listen, you gotta learn to listen to what people actually say. Right. Which is what you gotta do in business. Mm-hmm. And you know, the funny thing that, that we've we've found out is we, you know, we will tell people, you know, the biggest difference between hostage negotiation and business negotiation, our people are a lot calmer than yours are. <laughs> I mean, I, every single business person we know can tell us five, six, seven stories of the other side screaming at him, calling him names, storming out of the room. Mm. You know how many? You know how often we get yelled at as hostage negotiators? Hardly ever. Hardly ever. Well, I think it's because you understand the power of the emotion, right? I mean, we're dealing with human emotions, and you know that's the part that we're so um, not very good at. Particularly, when we get in there. We, I think when we go into negotiation, I know when I have, even if it's a, a one-on-one or I've been in a boardroom trying to sell or pitch. 
man, you come loaded for bear. That's the word that comes into my head. And having that kind of mentality loaded for bear is mm-hmm. the wrong way to look at it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so mm-hmm. how do we separate ourselves from that? I, I, I think that I would agree with you. I mean, that is that is a poor approach. And, and I think one of the biggest distinctions we talk about a lot in the book, I mean, the, the adversary is not the person on the other side of the table or the team on the other side of the table. It's, it's the situation. And it's the job of everyone that is at the, at the negotiation to come together and collaborate and figure out how to solve the adversary together. And I think that's one of the real big distinctions we make. And, and, and as far as dealing with emotions, you know, as, as hard as we try to remove emotions from the situation or pretend that they don't exist, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a fact of human nature. Right. And I think it's understanding that this, with that fact, but it's the intentionality behind it that I think that mm. that's wrapped up in this book. The right. intentionality of saying, okay, I have to control that whatever alligator side of my brain mm. and take it down a notch. How do I become that calm, composed force? And that takes work, right? But it's yeah, practice like anything else. But practice. it's simple. It's easy to understand, but it's simple, maybe not the right word. Easy to understand, maybe more difficult to put into play because of the emotions and because I think of the authenticity piece that we struggle with, right? This book to me is about authenticity, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It being mm-hmm. that authentic self. I don't know. What do you think when you hear that? Yeah, no, um, like uh, the the word, we like the movie The Negotiator, Samuel Jackson, mm-hmm. Kevin Spacey, except there's a line in it where Samuel Jackson's wife, character playing his wife, she says to him, well, you're a hostage negotiator. You lie for a living. Now, that is, that is not true. Right. So uh, you got to be authentic. Right. You know, yeah, from, from the very beginning, for a, couple, for a couple reasons. Number one, if you decide you're going to lie, the other side might be a better liar than you, and it might just be a test. Better liar than you tries to trap you into lying to see if you're a liar. Right. And then the other problem is, you know, yes is nothing without, without how. It's all about implementation. So if you lied, you can't implement. Right. Your deal's, your deal's not going to happen. It's going to fall apart. Um, you know, yes, yes is not the most important word in the negotiation. It's probably the right. least important word. Yeah, I think that was eye-opening for me. In fact, it, in, in, um, in being two months or this material being so fresh with me is it's almost like, oh, my God, I'm, it's almost embarrassing. You're a yes addict. I was a you yes were. addict. <laughs> and I chased the yes. How long has it been since you tried to get somebody to say yes? <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. 28 days. Right. And then, <laughs> but it's like the professional seeks the no, right? We, we, we seek it out. Because that no gives that other person that semblance of control. Am I, yeah, am I saying a, that right? It's a crazy. That's that's we, we do. There's a couple things we do that nobody else does, and we use no to get deals. Yeah, and we don't even bother with yes most of the time, right? An important conversation. We're not even trying to get somebody to say yes at all, are we? Right. We we much rather aim for a no, and I think it's along the lines of what you said earlier, right? And intellectually, you can understand. Okay, emotions are unavoidable. We got to figure out how to deal with them. But then to take it a step further, okay, when, then verbally, how do you f- deal with those emotions? And, and one, of the ways, one of the ways we solve that is by getting people to say no to you. Let's, let's, let's deep dive a little bit on that because it's so powerful, right? And I, and I will tell you this, when I was kind of lamenting over the spilled milk about how my failed deal, the other part of that was the guy stopped communicating with me, yeah, right? Yeah, of he walked He walked away. He gave me the counterfeit yes, so I'd quit bothering him. Right. I'm spending the money already. Right. Right. And then silence, no emails. Right. And then I use the technique that you use in the book. Talk, tell me about that. Like, you know, have you given up on this project? Yeah. Is and what e- happened? I, he responded within an hour. Yeah. It's crazy, right? People, people go silent on you. We tell people all the time, look, you're going to get an answer. 
within three to five minutes of them seeing it. Yep. Instantaneous with them seeing it, they jump into action. And people go like, ah, sure, fine, right. Maybe that worked in your world. Won't work in mine. Right. Eh, try it. Try and see what happens. And you know, and that opened the doorway, by the way. So, and so what was it? A deal that was dead. With that email, it opened up another conversation, a, meeting, a, a chance meeting at the airport. Hmm. It wasn't the bigger deal that I had, but now Sounds I'm Sounds like a Humphrey Bogart movie. That's right. But now <laughs> I'm, doing, I'm doing business with them now because, and I'm starting to use some of the what and the how, right? The calibrated question, right? Like focusing on the, the open-ended questions, but even narrowing it down to what and how. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Powerful stuff. Talk yeah. a little bit about that, about the, the open-ended questions and then even narrowing it down to what and how. I think that, that, that's pretty powerful. Well, I, you know, I think it's uh, when you narrow your focus a little bit, it just, number one, it just gives you less to think about. In the moment, you know, coming up with how do you, when you get that frog in your throat in the negotiation, it's like, what do I say next? Well, if your only thought is, all I need to do is figure out how to say a what or a how question. That's it. That's all I need to worry about. You know, so narrowing your focus gives you a lot to think about, but also, especially when it comes to how. I don't know what it is, but people just respond to it well. And it's a great way to introduce topics into the negotiation at any point. And, and I'm sure you'd want to add to that. Yeah, well, you know, you just, your examples are, you know, how are we going to do this? How's it going to work? How's it going to help? I mean, how in front of anything, and then and the other side's engaged, right? What is happening psychologically when, to, to, to me, if you're giving me, you're peppering me with what and hows, what am I doing internally? What, what am I, as, as, as the person you're trying to make the deal with, why is that so effective? Well, there's, there's a shift in your head. Um, uh, Daniel Kahneman, we're huge fans of Danny Kahneman. Thinking Fast and Slow, Nobel Prize winner in behavioral economics. He talks about something called slow thinking. It's not that you're slow, but that you're triggering slow, in-depth, critical thinking, in-depth thinking. The phrase, you know, ask a question to stop somebody in their tracks. So the how takes a shift, bang, right into that in-depth thinking. You can, if you hit somebody with a good how question, you can actually watch their brain shift. Right. And that's what it's about. I mean, that's what I'd say. Yeah, I, and just to add to that, I mean, it's, it's you know, what we like to talk about, especially when we work with clients and, and, and do coaching, you know, you're, you're really starting to gain an upper hand when you start to realize what you say versus what they hear. You know, mm-hmm. using your right. words, and but <clears throat> what do they actually get out of that? And there's, there's some specific how questions in there that we talk about, but, you know, you're using a simple how question, but what the other side is actually hearing you say is, Look, I want to make a deal. I need your help. Mm-hmm. You know, we can figure out a way to make this work. I just need your help how to get over this hump. And they hear all those things, and all you actually had said to them was a simple how question. Yeah, and it's, to me, I think it's almost like giving them ownership. And even when I think mm-hmm. about it from ownership, a leadership yeah. perspective, it's the difference between me saying, Brandon, I need you to go take that hill because I said so, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as opposed to me going, hey, Brandon, let me show you you're the most important guy. I want you to take this hill by midnight, and here's why. Chris is over here. You need to protect his flank because a zombie apocalypse is coming or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then I bring you back down. Do you see the big picture and why it's important? Mm-hmm. Now tell mm-hmm. me, how are you going to do this? Come back to me with a plan. I'll give you all that ownership, right? Right, and exactly. now it's yours, and now you're empowered to make decentralized decisions without coming back. I mean, that's what I see kind of embedded in, in all this material, right? Yeah. It's giving them ownership or at least the semblance of control, right? Am I hitting it on the head? No, exactly, because another, another phrase, uh, negotiation is the art of letting the other side have your way. Right. 
And if implementation is important, if I give you ownership of the idea, you come up, you're going to implement. Right. If you come up with a plan, you're going to implement. You can implement because it. you got ownership. So, yeah. you know, if I say to you, you know, how's it going to work? How does that line up with what we're talking about? We brainstorm. You are coming up with ideas, and then you'll come up with ideas that'll hit my objectives, mm -hmm. likely also yours. But then if you've come up with those ideas, you've got the ownership. Right. And so you're going to do it. And that's why 50% of the business deals that are signed are never implemented. Not 50% that are negotiated, 50% that are signed, agreed to. Right, the execution piece falls. Half of them fall on implementation. So that's the ownership that you were just talking about. If the other side doesn't feel any ownership in a deal, they're not going to do it. Right. And, that's, and so think about how much money is lost, destroyed, how much value is destroyed, because people didn't think about mutual ownership of the deal. Right. That makes sense. So. Tell me a little bit about the mirroring piece, because that, that's actually even before kind of the um, calibrated questions. You're doing the mirroring. T tell me the, the power behind mirroring. What is it, and why is it so powerful? It's one of his favorites, because he does it to me all the time. Yeah, <laughs> mirroring is just, it's, it's almost like a straight Jedi mind trick. But the, the real point is to get people talking, help them connect their thoughts together, you know, get them into uh, the vomiting of information like we like to refer to in the book. But even more than that, I think the, the one thing to know is it's not like the body language mirroring someone's body language. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's mirroring the actual words, or what we refer to as the gist. And it's also a great way to gently guide your counterpart through a conversation without having to do a whole bunch of talking. And it feels like if, I'm, if it's done correctly, if I'm right, and you're mirroring me, I feel like you've engaged me in a lot of conversation, but I'm the one that's doing most of the talking, right? Because you're just repeating some of the key elements of what I just said. Yeah, it's a perfect way to put hey, it. Brandon, I heard. Right. I want you to make, like the example you gave in the book, I want you to go make two hard copies of this. I'm sorry, two hard copies? Yeah, two hard copies, you know, and you just keep mirroring the key points and eventually the other person changes his mind. I mean, I'm paraphrasing what I'm doing there, but am I hitting that right? You know, from the... The change in your mind? Yeah, I mean, from the mirror, how the mirroring, how I changed my mind. Oh, yeah, he's doing it. Oh, my God. I totally got sucked into that. Gotta be careful. Boom, boom, ah. Yeah, that's right. And you gave the example, too, in the book where you were on the boat with your friend and you're the kind of assertive type ape. No, that never happened. That was a completely, you know, that was a mythological thing. And you called him out and said, Dad, don't you see what you're doing the last time? Yeah, yeah. Mirroring each other. I love that story. Yeah, the guy was mirroring me. I didn't see it. And all of a sudden, he, he goes, I can't take it anymore. <laughs> He's been mirroring you for the last 45 minutes. Oh, that's hilarious. So what does it mean to find the black swan? <clears throat> that, that You end up the book with that. That's the name of your organization, the black. What is the black swan? You know, it's, it's hard to wrap your mind around this. But each side is hiding information. And there's an overlap. And black swans are where the stuff that's being hidden overlaps. Now, the crazy thing about that is he could be hold on to stuff that I wish I knew. But since I'm hiding stuff from him, he's got a lot of stuff. He doesn't even know it's important. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, me get uh, the stuff he's hiding on purpose is part of it. But there's a whole bunch of stuff he just doesn't know important because he doesn't know all of my deal. And to get into the conversation where suddenly somebody goes, wait a minute, what would you just say? You guys have that? You can do this? Holy cow, that, that means a whole, that means everything to me. I got to do that. And the other side goes like, well, I didn't know that. How am I supposed to know that? Right. 
So the, the really hard part is to try to think about is where unknowns, where hiddens overlap. It's kind of crazy. You're finding the unknown unknowns, which is like, well, how in the world do you do that? I think we, you know, we had lunch an hour and a half ago, and we were talking about that guy that was running. You know, he gave the example yeah. of the guy who's mm -hmm. passionate mm -hmm. about running. Mm -hmm. right. And to me, that's the black swan where, well, what do you think about when a guy's passionate about running? Well, he likes the shoes, he likes the exercise he gets, and this and that. And what was discovered and there's really no magic formula how it came out, but eventually you found out that it brought him closer to God. Is that yeah, what you said? Yeah, he liked to run because he felt closer to his creator, right? And that, it won't close his words. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. And he felt closer to his creator, and he made it a point not to wear music when he ran because he thought it was a distraction. Wow. So to me, that's a black swan, right? Because if you have that information, that opens up a whole different... Mm-hmm. This is a whole different breed of guy. Right. This, this is a guy that's got a strong moral issues. Or not issues, but... You, somebody that you want to know has strong moral standards, which means you find out this guy's rules, he's going to stick to them. Right. His rule isn't, I win. His ruler is that there's some higher moral principles that I will stick to. Right. Regardless of the circumstances. And, I, and my, my morals will not change depending upon the given moment. That's important to know in business. That's huge. I mean, it, would, it totally changes the game if I'm trying to get to know this individual. Yeah. Right? It takes it to a whole different plane. To me, that's an unknown unknown that I wouldn't have got. Through. And, and I don't think there's any magic formula if I'm hearing you right. How do I find that out? There's no, you, it, you have to be intentional about the listening and slowing it down, right? I don't know how else you get there. Yeah, I wouldn't say that there's a magic formula. I mean, we like we, we like to say is trust in the process, right? Once you understand how to execute some some of these verbal skills, really trust in the process. But another thing I want to add to in regards to the the black swan, I mean, it's it's definitely has to do a lot with a mindset shift whenever you go into a negotiation. When we work with people, we always say think think of how many times you've gone into a negotiation and you knew that you were purposely holding back information because right. you were worried how they'd respond to it. Right. When you interact with someone, if your first assumption isn't that they're doing the same thing, maybe you need to recalibrate your approach a little bit. Hmm. And that goes to the part, I shouldn't even go in there with any assumptions anyway. I go in, how do you phrase it? The I'm going with the set of hypotheses. Hypothesis. About, about this interaction. Yes. And it's a, it's a mode of discovery as opposed right. to trying. And through that discovery, I'm testing my hypothesis. And if it doesn't work, then I pivot and shift peeling back more layers of the onion. Am I getting that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and the, the other thing about that, we look at it as it, an information gathering process. It's actually the fastest process you engage in. Right. You know, a young man's telling me about, he learned a bunch of our negotiation techniques just off the, the stuff we got on video. You know, there's a bunch of stuff on video, the Google Talk and some other stuff. And he's getting more meetings and closing, his, his close rate, is, his meeting rate is ridiculous. And so then I said, so now that you have this, are you doing more research before you talk to these people? And he says, oh, no, 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 they're going to tell you way more than you're ever going to find out on the Internet anyway. I spend less time researching and get into the conversation sooner because they'll tell me more. Right. So it's actually a faster process. Right. What about how does body language fit into that? I mean, is it how much of it, I mean, obviously with your background and experience with the FBI, the hostage negotiation, those real-life uh, uh, events that have happened that only experience can give you that. But how much can I learn in short order about making sure that someone's being authentic, making sure someone's being truthful to me? I mean, how much does 
reading the body language and the facial expression come into play? It's really the opposite of what everybody thinks. In what way? Body language is real popular because, you know, you bring in a profiler and read their body language, figure out when they're lying, figure out all their tells. Uh, you know, you probably lie five ways. And you've got anywhere from 15 to 20 tells. But you tell the truth one way. So instead of looking for all the ways you lie, and this is the way a polygraph works. They put you on a polygraph and they lay down your baseline for what it looks like when you tell the truth. Then they don't care how you twitch after that. Right. All they know is that anything off of that baseline is deception. Right. Or at least thinking about deception. Mm -hmm. So you don't need to know, I don't need to know the 20 ways you lie. Uh, that, yeah. I just need to get a fix on the one way you tell, tell the, the truth. truth. And anytime you're off of that, I know we got a problem. Now I don't want to corner you over it. Like if for whatever reason, I know when you give me straight honest answers, I mean, you look me straight in the eye. Right. But if you're, if you're thinking about lying or you're deceiving, you might look down, you might look to the right, you might look up, you might look any direction. Probably three, four different choices. If I catch one of those, I don't go, ah! <laughs> right. What I got to do then is use one of our skills, and I'll just say, seems like something's bothering you. Yeah, so you're going to that question, it seems, yeah. And then, but it doesn't feel like a question. Right. It, it actually, that specifically designed statement is designed to actually get part of the defense, get past the defensive part of your brain and trigger an answer that'll come back out past the defensive part of your brain. What, you know, he said before, we use the term vomiting of information. I'm more likely to get an unvarnished answer out of you just kind of making that observation. Right. It's one of the reasons uh, um, we've had a client refer to that particular approach as unlocking the floodgates of truth-telling. On the flip side, after all these years, when they finally shown that harsh interrogation techniques don't work, because they did a, the, a rigorous, scientifically rigorous data study on harsh interrogation techniques versus rapport-based interviewing, where I say stuff like, are you comfortable? Se you know, it seems like something's bothering you. Mm -hmm. Same technique. That study said that rapport-based interviewing is the closest thing to a true serum that law enforcement has. It beats harsh interrogation. There's no contest. You know, I, I don't care about, and we're almost off on a tangent, I don't, I, I don't care about harsh interrogation techniques for moralistic issues. Think of me as a mercenary. Mm -hmm. I only care about what works. Right. I want to get the bad guy talking as soon as I can. I could care less about morals in this instance. I don't use the harsh stuff because it doesn't work. It's stupid. Right. Morons use harsh interrogation right. techniques. Well, I mean it. Bozos and retards. Right. The top interrogators use rapport-based interviewing. Yeah, you know, it's interesting when I think back to, you know, Sear School search of uh, what I went through with the Marine Corps. Sears and Roebuck School? You know, <laughs> no, they taught you how to sell dishwashers. No, <laughs> survival, <laughs> escape, resistance, and evasion. I know right? what you know, it is. We need a little comedy in this. Yes. We get and, some comedy. And, we, we all go in there, of course, being jarheaded Marines and blockheads, and like, they're not going to get anything out of me. And we knew it was kind of contrived and fake, right? And we thought, oh, we'll get through it. And you'd be, you know, the same thing. And they're, these are CIA, ex CIA guys or whatever. And we spilled and gave almost every secret away through that. You know, it wasn't the banging up against the wall. It was like, hey, come on, man. 
yeah, you can level with me, you know. Next thing you know, you're polishing the guy's shoe with the American flag almost, right? Mm-hmm. And it was, it's because, in, in, so I've seen it in, in action in a controlled environment, so I can imagine how, it's always, this, you get more with sugar instead of vinegar, right? It's a whole thing. Yeah. 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 So what's next with the Black Swan Group? I mean, how, how long have you been doing this? What is the intent? What is the goal? Who are you looking for? Who's the ideal client with your Black Swan Group? As the director of operations. <laughs> You know, it's it's interesting. The ideal client question is is sometimes hard for us to answer because you always expect it to relate directly to industry or you know sales teams. Our uh, our ideal client is somebody that is determined to continue to improve. Okay. Someone who is self-taught, who is constantly exposing themselves to new information, and no matter how smart they think they are, they always know there's things that they don't know. Right. And that, that's an ideal client for us. And we, you know, we have clients everywhere from, you know, a scrap business in Ohio all the way out to, you know, international private equity firms. So it's a, it's a wide range of people that we serve. I, that gets that. It resonates with me because I think when I read this book, it, it would attract to me. And I think the ideal sweet spot in all of this, whether you're negotiating, trying to become a better husband, father, leader, negotiator, whatever the case, is that combination of this strong intensity of will coupled with this tremendous sense of humility hmm. and I think that's the su- yeah, I think yeah. that's the sweet spot of what this book that's why I think it resonates with me and I see it as a leadership and influence book and it can prove every aspect of your life but that's what I see and I think when you look at dysfunctions in business dysfunctions in life hmm. someone's either skewed on one way or the other right they're either which that, book your notebook no oh, this book <laughs> <laughs> this book you know what I'm talking about <laughs> But does that make sense? You know, that sweet spot between intent and I think intensity of will is, is, a, is a requirement. Yeah. But that coupled with that humility. And, you know, we were talking. Yeah, absolutely. Combination. It's sort of like how do you make steel? You combine carbon with iron. Mm-hmm. You combine two things that are necessary to make something stronger. Right. And you do need just will by itself just makes you a jerk. Right. And humility I mean, that's cool, too, but you might be undirected, un- unchanneled, un- unfocused. You could be, you're, you're not getting anywhere. Nothing. You, you kind of put those two things together, and you, you, it's a great combination. It's like you become unstoppable. That's how I see it, anyway. Mm. And very few people get there, I think, is the point. And I think this, in my opinion, a lot of common sense. I think intuitively we know everything that's in here, but it's, when, it, when you read it, it's kind of, it's like it's been revealed, right? I mean, it's already inside of you. You just need to reveal it. Yeah, you need to get rid of emotional intelligence. Yeah. yeah, I love it. I think this book is great, guys. I really do. I think you've, you've hit a home yeah, run with very this kind. thing. Very kind. And uh, um, I'm anxious to see what the next 12 months is. This, you know, there's a few books that I've looked at go tos that I'll keep going back to. This yeah. is definitely one of them, guys. And I Thank mean you. that from from the bottom of my heart. What's next for Black Swan Group? What are you excited about? We're gonna build it out. Uh, we want to bring more people in. Uh, we're in a process of. Uh, you know, I'm I'm uh, more of a, the weaknesses of of, of, of an entrepreneur uh, founder with help. Thank God, I already I re- always had help. You know, I, I had a wingman. I had a, I had a, a full partner teammate there the whole time. He's been able to see it a little bit more from a different perspective, and I think he has a better feel for how we're going to build the company out, how we're going to scale it, how we're going to bring partners in. Mm-hmm. So we got we got one guy that's collaborating with us on a regular basis now. You know, I got ideas, and and he's like, wait a minute, hold on, hold on. Here's how we're going to do this. So he's really he's really the business brains behind us. How we're going to scale out. He's going to write a book sometime in the next year or two. Um, he's got a couple books inside him. 
be uh, there, there will probably be a second negotiation book from our entire group. My guess is that's at least three years out. He's got his own individual contribution to make first. Um, and we're just going to keep growing. We're going to bring other people in. And uh, the book is in 20 countries in 16 languages right now. We're circling the globe. So uh, we want to bring other people in, make make other people better negotiate. I love it. I'm excited to see where you guys are going to take it. I was going to ask you, what was your dream? You look at this, you're working with your father. You guys obviously work well together. you got a great chemistry. What was your dream five, ten years ago? Did you ever see yourself doing this? You know, I, I, I um, let's see. So it's been it's been eight years now that I've been, been full-time here at Black Swan. And, and prior to that, I was in sales, and I just, you know, I always, I just figured I'd, I'd make a lot of money selling stuff. <laughs> You know, kind of, and it's and and really, what it, what it was about, what I enjoyed so much about it, was the interactions with people. You know, being able being able to talk to people and pick their brains and understand kind of where they're coming from and 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 their makeup, and a lot of that translates to what we're doing now. And, and the other thing that's that's fun about this is, you know, having been along for the ride since the beginning, you know, and being part of the creative process the whole time. I'm not, you know, I didn't come in and, you know, hey kid, here's the kids, right. here's the keys to the kingdom, right? It wasn't that at all. I was there. We're trying to figure out how to pay bills, mm-hmm. right. right? And now, now here we are. And we're 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 moving on to next levels and we're growing. And right now we're um, we're very intimate. You know, we're father son team. My uh, my fiance does marketing. A very good friend of his, who's consequently become a great friend of mine, is one of our other main instructors and. Um, you know, we're just we're going to continue to build off of that and, and add good people. Well, I think it's great, man. And I tell you, I think the, the currency for everything you're doing is authenticity, transparency, vulnerability, courage. Everything is wrapped up in what you're trying to do here. And I think you guys are adding tremendous value uh, to anybody, uh, to the organizations, to the individuals. And I thank you for, for the efforts that you guys have done. How can people get in touch with you, Black Swan Group, and how can they reach out to you? Uh, well, uh, our website, blackswanltd.com. And we, we have a we have a free blog that comes out every week, and you can sign up on it on there and keep up to date with kind of current events and then what what new information we're pushing out into the world. Awesome. The uh, the blog is you know the newsletter it mm-hmm. comes out uh, once a week. It's short and sweet. It's digestible. It's not one of those things right. that will wear you out. A lot of people like to start their day on it. They like the very specific examples. They love it as a supplement to the book. It's also, you know, the, 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 the avenue to everything else. We put training announcements in there. We talk about um, uh, um, new, new products that we're putting out. I mean, it's the gateway. And the simplest way to sign up for The Edge, uh, this newsletter we're talking about, which is free, it's complimentary, is uh, to send a uh, text, uh, the word FBI Empathy, all one word. Don't put a space in between FBI and Empathy. Your, 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 your autocorrect is going to try and change it on you. FBI Empathy, all one word, to the number 22828. And that number again is 22828. You'll get a, a dialogue box back to sign up for the edge, and it'll take you to everything we have. Perfect. I'll have links to all this on the post on my website when we post the show so people can access it easily. Uh, the book is Never Split the Difference, Negotiating as Your Life Depended on It. Guys, it was an honor and a thrill to sit down with you guys and talk. Thanks, I really appreciate it. Thank you yeah, very much. Thanks, thanks for having us, so man. I appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, thanks for tuning into the show. Go to richardryerson.com or doseofleadership.com and fill out the contact page and reach out to me. Let me know where you're at your leadership journey. Also, if you want access to my brand new online leadership course to help become a better leader, go to legacyleaderblueprint.com. 
fill out your email and you gain access to a free 12-minute video that will reveal the top secrets of leadership and also show you how you can gain access, exclusive access to my online leadership course. That's LegacyLeaderBlueprint.com. Hope to see you on the inside. Thanks for tuning into the show.